Take your copy of God's Word this morning and turn to 1 Timothy, taking a little break from our study in Philippians and looking at a passage here in 1 Timothy this morning. 1 Timothy chapter 2, and we'll begin reading there at verse number 1. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath. And doubting. Father, I pray that you'd help us as you look in your word today, Lord, to rightly divide it. I pray for each one who's here, quiet our hearts, help us to be attentive to your spirit's leading. Have your will and way in this time in the Savior's name. Amen. The following article appeared in a news bulletin that I get. It said a new website will say your prayers for you for a fee. It says the site dubbed Information Age Prayer says it is, a, it is a subscription service utilizing a computer with text to speech capability to encant your prayers each day. For $3.95 a month, you can get the satisfaction of knowing that your prayers will always be said even if you wake up late or forget. Protestants can get the Lord's Prayer prayed daily. Jews can get the Shema. Muslims can't officially count the site's prayers for their daily tally, the site admits, but it certainly doesn't hurt. Catholics can get multiple Hail Marys at just seven cents each. Well, I, I, I was intrigued by that. and I checked it out and went to the website. And sure enough, they were right. There is a website that does this. And there are lots of options available. I continued to read on the website. I found this interesting. The website said, if your children don't pray anymore, sign them up for one of the many daily prayers available for each religion. You may also want to have a prayer set for them directly. The prayer for children is the cheapest information age prayer service at only $1.99 a month. Then I read under the facts section, how are prices decided? Now, how much, why do they charge certain fees for certain prayers? Here's what they said. Prices are determined by the length of the prayer. A discounted prayer will cost less than other prayers of similar length. Uh, I'll be honest with you, beloved. This would be funny if it was not so sad to think that people would pay cash money to have a computer supposedly pray for them. I, I will say this, though. I'd have to at least give folks who subscribe to this service credit in this regard that they believe that prayer is that important that they would pay for it. Let me ask you that. Do you consider prayer important? Do you consider prayer important? Let's go one step further. Do you consider prayer vital? Is it a vital part of your life? Or is it just an option? Is it an option or a must? 
As we look here at this passage this morning here in First Timothy, I want you to notice that Paul is writing here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Look back at verse one. It says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, first of all, first of all, what? First of all, pray. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, prayers, supplications, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men. If you go back and study the life of the Apostle Paul, if you go back and study the life of the early church, if you go back and study the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, you cannot come away from such a study without realizing just how important prayer is. Our Lord said in Matthew 21, 13, these words, and he said unto them, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it. A den of thieves. And I wonder as he looks at Red Hill Baptist Church, as he looks at those of us who make up this local body of believers, could he say that our church is a house of prayer? God forbid that our prayer times, whether in a Sunday morning worship service or a Sunday school class or Wednesday night or some other time, would ever be reduced to just become an element or a part of the order of worship. Just something to check off our to do list. Say, yeah, you know, we had prayer this morning. God forbid that should ever happen. My house shall be called a house of prayer. Well, I want to look at these verses with you today. And I want to ask four questions. And I want us to see these questions answered for us right out of the text. Let me give you the four questions so you know where we're going today, okay? Number one, what are the types of prayer mentioned here? What are the types of prayer mentioned here? Number two, who are we to pray for? Who are we to pray for? Number three, here's a good one. Why should we pray? Why should we pray? And number four, where should we pray? Where should we pray? You know where we're going. Let's get going. OK, number one, what are the different types of prayer mentioned here? Look at back at verse one. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men. If you are keeping count, you notice four different types of prayer mentioned there. Supplications, prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks. Now, what do they mean, preacher? Well, supplications is simply this. It's a request for a particular need or a specific need. You supplicating. You bring that supplication to the Lord. Prayers. The second part mentioned there is a very general word. It embraces all types of prayer. Might be a prayer of adoration or a prayer of confession. All kinds of prayer. The third type is intercession. You probably know already what that is. That's praying to God on behalf of someone else. Praying to God for someone else. The classic example, I think, in Scripture of this is back in the book of Genesis, the 18th chapter, where Abraham is praying for Sodom. He found out that God's going to judge and he prays, he intercedes for Sodom in Genesis 18, verses 23 and 30 through 33. Then the fourth one is what? Giving of thanks. That's pretty self-evident, isn't it? That is a prayer of thanksgiving, a prayer of praise. Now, we know that there's no accident here that Paul, writing under the Holy Spirit, put down these various words to describe prayer. And it reminds us today that our prayer lives are to be varied. It's not just one set prayer. It's not just one type of prayer. Very often we're guilty of coming to the Lord, kind of like a child would approach Santa Claus in the mall with a long list and say, well, I want this, 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 this and this. And there is an element where we can ask for the things we need and cast our burdens and so forth. But we know that our prayer lives are greater than that. They're to be broader than that. 
There's those supplications, but there's also those prayers of adoration and confession. Those prayers of intercession were lifting up others. And obviously those prayers of giving thanks. And by the way, Thanksgiving is to be offered more than just one month of the year or one day of the year or one week of the year. You know, we're, getting, we're in fall now and we're starting to think towards Thanksgiving and those things. Our hearts should be inclined that way every single day. Four different types of prayer mentioned here. Now, secondly, who are we to pray for? Very interesting question. Look back at that verse again. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made, first of all, for what? For all men. Of course, we understand it to imply, of course, ladies as well. All men and women. So we're to pray for all men. We're to pray for everybody. So what does it mean, preacher, when it says all men? It means all men. It means everybody. Barnes said it this way. Prayer should be made for all men. For all men need the grace and mercy of God. Thanks should be rendered for all men. For all may be saved. And so when I pray for other people, when I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ, when I pray for the lost, when I pray for those I don't even know, I'm to pray what? With supplications and prayers and intercessions and giving of thanks. So we're to pray for everybody. Now, you might say, well, preacher, I got a problem with that. I don't know everybody. <laughs> I don't either. But you know what? It doesn't matter. We don't have to know someone to personally pray for them. We don't even have to know their name to pray for them. Do you ever think about that? We can pray for countries. We can pray for continents. We can pray for states. We can pray for other churches, other people. We don't have to know their names. But I want to encourage you to begin doing this on a daily basis. Listen, you can see somebody walking down the street this afternoon or tomorrow as you're driving by. I want to encourage you to pray for that person. Start becoming a daily intercessor for other people. As you interact with other people, as you see other people, begin to pray for them. Listen, they all need prayer. You know why? They all need Jesus. They all need forgiveness of sin. If they've never experienced that, they need to know the Savior. They need to know the gospel. They need prayer. You could be standing in line at Walmart or somewhere else. You could be praying for your cashier. You could be praying for that person that you see that's going through difficulty. You can be praying for your neighbors. They all need prayer. We're to pray for all of them. But notice, secondly, there, verse two, we're to pray for kings. We're to pray for kings. King has the idea of a ruler, a sovereign, those who are leaders. In our country, we don't have a king. We do have a president. We do have a vice president. We have senators. We have representatives. Other countries have kings and queens. We should pray for them. I got to thinking about this. If you subject yourself to the depressing nightly news, night after night, at least make it into a prayer meeting. At least redeem that time. And as you see the events around the world unfolding, as you see folks going through hardship, begin to pray and intercede for those people. When you hear news coming through uh, on your radio, in your car or whatever, begin praying for those people. When you drive by the scene of an accident, you obviously are not going to stop and help necessarily with your own hands, unless you're a medical person and you're the first one of the scenes and so forth. But you're driving by the situation's being handled. But what can you do? You can pray. You can pray for the victims. You can pray for the people in the accident. You can pray for those helping those folks. All around us, there's a multiplicity of people to pray for. We're to pray for kings. 
Now, I want you to notice this. It doesn't say pray for kings and leaders if they're good people. It just says pray for kings. Matthew Henry says pray for kings. Though the time, the time of this writing, the kings were heathens, enemies to Christianity, persecutors of Christians. Because it was for the public good, there should be civil government and proper persons entrusted. We should pray for them. Old J. Vernon McGee, he hit us where we lived. He said this. Paul says that Christians are to pray for public officials. And I take that he meant that the prayers were to be made in the church. To bring this up to date, he is saying this. The Democrats ought to pray for the Republicans and the Republicans ought to pray for the Democrats. He said many years ago, a famous chaplain of the Senate was asked by a visitor, do you pray for the senators? He replied, no, I look at the senators and then I pray for the country. He said, that is exactly what Paul says we need to do. We need to pray for our country we need to pray for those who have authority over us. If you're a Republican and a Democrat is in office, pray for him. If you're a Democrat, Republican is in office, pray for him. We talked about that some in our brotherhood this morning about praying for those who are above us, those in authority over us. We're to pray for all men. We're to pray for kings. Then notice the next part of verse two and for all that are in authority and for all that are in authority. Now, I'll be honest, I don't see any boundaries laid out here. When you think about authority, you have the idea of leadership and those in leaders, not just kings and rulers, but all that are in authority. We know that authority is God ordained. The authorities that be are God ordained. God has given us civil government. God has given us the church. God has given us the home. He's ordained these things. We're to pray for those in authority over us. That would, of course, imply, I believe we pray for those that are literally above us. Our bosses. Our teachers, if you're in a school situation, leaders in a church, those who are in authority. That might be a a weird concept. Let me think about it. I pray for my boss. All right. I pray he'll break his leg or get. Yeah. No, 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 no. Look back at verse one again, beloved. Supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in Authority. Imagine how it would revolutionize your life. You became an intercessor and you pray for all those in authority above you and all those around you. We're to pray. But then the question comes, why should we pray? Well, keep reading here. Several reasons. Of course, we're taught, we're commanded to pray. But look at what this passage says in particular. Look at the next part of verse two. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. In all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. One person wrote, it is for our own good that the government should be stable and the country preserved from revolution, civil war, turmoil and anarchy. We need to pray that those above us, those in authority above us, we think about our own local levels, we think about in our state, in our country. Those leaders in our world, they'd have wisdom in their administration. Barnes said we need to pray that their hearts may be so inclined to what is right. They may even protect us in our enjoyment of religion. Listen, we're a free people today. We can preach the gospel. We can send missionaries out. Praise God for that. 
And I pray that freedom will continue, that we can be sharing the gospel. Pray. Why? That we may lead a quiet and peaceful life. Secondly, pray that we may please God. Look at verse 3. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. God is pleased when we obey Him in this. When we do pray and when we obey Him in other matters. And then notice fourth, uh, the fourth verse there. We're praying that men may be saved. Look at verse 4. Who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. Listen, we know it's not God's will. It's not God's will that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. That's what the Bible says. So the question this morning is this. Are we praying for the lost? Now, we know, I trust, that apart from Jesus, no one's going to be saved. He says in verses 5 and 6, look at verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. We know that apart from Jesus, no one's going to be saved. We say amen to that. Amen. He is the mediator. He is the savior. But let me ask you, do we truly believe that? Are we praying for the lost? Are we praying that men and women, boys and girls might come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their own savior? Are we praying like we believe it? And by the way, beloved, if you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus, read those verses again. There is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. He died for you. He gave his life for you. He redeemed you. He paid the price for your pardon. If you're here today without Christ, I want you to recognize you cannot save yourself. Apart from Christ, you're lost. But he died and shed his blood for you. He was buried, but he arose victorious. And if you'll trust today, you can have eternal life as you place your faith in him, as you turn from your sin to God, as you turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that we're to pray. We know that. We know that we're to pray for everybody, for kings, for all that are in authority. We know why we should pray. We should pray because we are desirous to live a quiet and peaceful life. Our desire is to please God. Our desire is to see other people come to know Jesus as Savior. But the fourth question this morning is, where should we pray? In other words, is prayer a time that is reserved for the sanctuary on Sunday mornings? Or maybe the prayer room on Wednesday night? Is it just a time that's reserved when we gather together and we sing praise? Must we be in church to pray? Look at verse 8. I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere. Lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. So where should we pray? Everywhere. Specifically, it says what? We're to pray, of course, with pure hands and pure hearts. Without wrath and doubting, lifting up holy hands. We're to pray everywhere. That kind of fits with what I was encouraging to do earlier, doesn't it? As you drive down the road, as you watch television, do these different things, you're praying for people. You might have come in today and say, you know what, preacher? This is basic stuff. Could you come up with something a little more dynamic this morning? 
Could you come up with something a little more challenging? Listen, you're right. This is basic stuff. But let me ask you a question. What is more dynamic than prayer? What is more dynamic? That we can come to a throne of grace through the Lord Jesus Christ and speak to God Almighty. That is an awesome thought. An awesome thought. That He gives us the privilege of prayer. That we can come and speak to God through Christ. That's awesome. You know, I was reminded of this this past week in my quiet time. I was reading in Our Daily Bread, and there was a selection entitled Expectancy, based on Matthew seven eleven. We read it this morning in our responsive reading. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to those or to them that ask him? The writer that day was Cindy Hess Casper, and here's what she wrote. With a handful of Cheerios, I tiptoed across the deck in my backyard to try to sneak up on the fish in the pond. Perhaps it was my shadow on the water, or maybe I wasn't as sneaky as I thought. As I approached the railing, 15 enormous goldfish raced toward me, their mouths frantically opening and closing in eager anticipation of an expected treat. So why did the fish so furiously flap their fins? She wrote, because my mere presence set off a conditioned response in their tiny fish brains that told them I had something special to give them. She said, if only we always had such a response to God and his desire to give us good gifts, a response based on our past experience with him and flows from a deep seated knowledge of his character. Missionary William Carey stated, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. God desires to equip us perfectly for what he wants us to do, and he invites us to come boldly to find mercy and grace in the time of need. She closed by saying these words. When we as God's children are living in faith, we can have an exciting expectancy and a quiet confidence that God will give us exactly what we need When we need it. So I read that and thought about it. I thought, well, perhaps one of the reasons we don't pray as we ought to pray is because we don't have that kind of expectancy that God is hearing us and that God is going to answer our prayers. We don't have that expectancy that God really does have these good things for us. And he says, come, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. And yet we don't. In many regards, those fish with those tiny brains are smarter than we are at times as they come to their owner with expectancy for just a cheerio. And yet here we are, the sons and daughters of God through Christ. And yet we don't come boldly through Christ and say, Lord, I'm here and begin to pray and praise him. Basic stuff. Basic. But I want to encourage you today, beloved, afresh and anew to pray, to pray, to pray, not to grow, grow weary, not to give up, but to cast all of your cares upon him for he cares for you. I want to encourage you to carry others before the throne of grace. Listen, beloved, 
There is no shortage of things to pray about. There's no shortage of things to pray about. But there seems to be a shortage of people to pray about them. And so my question in closing today is, will you be one who prays? Will you be one that comes before the throne of grace? Will you be one that would offer those supplications, those prayers, those intercessions, those giving of thanks for all men, for kings and for all in authority? They may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for it's good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. Will you be one who recognizes and realizes that we're living in a world that's dying and going to hell without Jesus? Will you be one who comes and says, Father, I know your word says you're not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Save my friends, save my neighbors, save these people, save my co-workers, save my schoolmates. Use me. Will you be one that prays everywhere? Turning all these things around us, all the things we go through into requests and prayers and praises as you intercede and as you pray, there is no shortage of things to pray about. It seems that we constantly are removing names on our prayer list and faster than we can remove names for answered prayers or other reasons that's filled right back up. There's no shortage of things to pray about, but there is a shortage of folks to pray about them. Will you be one who prays? I exhort Paul writes, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Will you pray? Father, we love you. We thank you for the privilege of prayer. Father, I pray this moment, if anybody here today does not know Jesus as their Savior, Lord, I pray today they'll come to a saving knowledge of Christ. I pray for those of us who do know him. Lord, I know my own heart has been challenged through your word today. Help us, O oh God, to be a people of prayer. Help us, Lord, to be interceding, supplicating, giving thanks and praying for all men, for kings and for all who are in authority. Lord, help us to pray for the lost. And Lord, help us to please you in our prayer life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.